Well, hi everybody and welcome to another episode of the Human Source Codex with Kelly Stewart and uh, brought to you by Taurus Consulting and the website thetaurus.io. Today I'm speaking with Sun Akila Latoya. I really have trouble actually saying that name. So I'm going to get him to actually uh, introduce himself and he'll probably correct me on that one. But, you know, uh, and I'm also going to let Sun introduce like who he is and what he loves to do and what is his uh, passions and what's his mission and vision in life and what he loves to share. So we, as you know, with my podcast that the topics are always conversational and we just allow it to evolve in whatever format that it chooses to self-organize in. So, you know, we're just going to start off with today's ever changing environment which is actually happening in the world so i'd like to welcome sun to the podcast hi sun how are you going you just want hi, to share a little bit share a little bit about yourself and maybe correct the pronunciation of your name and i i apologize if i actually uh said that incorrectly oh it's fine it's, it's great that you gave it a go um it is definitely uh, when i when i first meet people it's a really interesting piece to see if they're going to actually try or not um, so it's great that you tried. And it's Sun Aquila Loy Hatua. Sun Aquila Loy Hatua. Yeah, there you go. Perfect. Well done. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so I just want to share a little bit about yourself. Like, who are you? What do you do? Yeah, sure. So uh, I'm, I would say, a simple human being for the most part, incredibly curious um, around our relationship with reality mm-hmm. um, and at, at both like physical and, and, and metaphysical energetic uh, realms. And that's been a curiosity of mine for as long as I recall, like at least, I mean, I, my earliest recollections are probably around five or six pondering those things. And it's just been a continual meditation uh, on, on that topic. Um, and what I do, uh, so there's a few things that I do, um, and that's probably in the expression of, um, yeah, living an amazing life and also having amazing relationships, um, with self, the environment and people. And so, um, one thing that I do is, is renewable energy. Uh, to help us with our relationship with uh, with the planet. Uh, another piece of that is um, in eco-neighbourhood development. It's a project I'm working on and have uh, had a previous project earlier uh, in, in my working career, let's say. And that's around high-performance building design that is in greater harmony with, with nature. Um, and moving along now like into a slightly different realm and and our relationship more with self um i have a herbal cacao company uh that looks at it is focused on uh high performance it's also focused on spirituality and and connection so both herbs and rituals or processes meditations that um connect us to ourselves our environment our intuition um, that include herbs for, for health and, 
and, and cerebral function. Uh, so that's a fun one. Um, a, a part of that also is play. And uh, within this cacao business, I sort of connect into different festivals and um, business retreats. Uh, yeah, to, to play with that. And wow. sounds like you're pretty full on. Got a lot going on. <laughs> yes. And there's there's one more platform that I'm kind of working on. It has been on the sidelines because of recent events and just my my interest right now in let's say sovereignty. Mm -hmm. Um, but that other piece is actually a what's happened is I I'm building a platform, it's a super being academy. So to help people level up in all areas of their life and to influence and uh, create impact uh, in the world, you know, through positive transformations in society and, and, and self. Um, and what happened as I was starting to work on that was it was starting to manifest around me in the physical form. And so my attention has sort of gone into that a little more uh, recently. And the third piece, which might be what we talk about today, is... Um, is deeper into that sovereignty and law, um, which is more a hobby than let's say a business endeavor. Um, it's definitely piqued my interest uh, the last few months. Um, and quite fortunately, it seems to be incredibly simple to understand. And that is around our sovereignty and um, the tools that we have available to us like common law and also um, tapping into the, the wisdom and ways of uh, First Nations and um, having an appreciation for the jurisdiction that they have here in Australia, um, and I would say in other parts of the world also. Uh, interestingly, how, um, you know, something I am fascinated about is where we have a particular government at the moment, um, which, you know, sits on a, on a particular foundation uh, of its paperwork. Mm -hmm. um, and then realising also that that, legal process in federating like a, a nation state of the Commonwealth of Australia didn't follow the law of the land that it was on because there was already law here. Uh, and so that's, that, that creates an interesting situation for government here in terms of people recognising its authority and its, and its place. Let's dive down that rabbit hole because this is really like a forefront of mind topic at the moment with the ever-changing environment that is occurring within Australia. But, you know, it's Australia but also the world. But as we're actually living here, we can facilitate the conversation around what's happening here in Australia. So tell me, what do you mean by, like, sovereignty? Um. Well, what I mean by sovereignty is that, you know, you, Kelly, are a free human being. Um, many would perceive you as a free woman. Um, and that's that freedom and autonomy. Um, uh, the word sovereignty, it, it can be a synonym. Mm -hmm. um, and perhaps one element in regards to interacting, this free woman, so you as a free woman interacting with society, um, in which way 
uh, are you interacting and what what's your vibrational state as you are interacting so um, the energy and, and frequency that is backing behind the freedom essence of sovereignty yeah so I, don't, I don't i'm gonna say it like i don't feel particularly free right now you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm feeling particularly constrained in, in multiple different aspects you know considering the the so-called mandates and law so-called law changes and so-called expectations on me to operate within the system or society so um how would how would one like myself actually get back to a place of sovereignty or mm. a place of like pure essence of freedom is that yep. actually attached to what we would call um like natural law tribal law like the law of the land like you mentioned there's a law of the land that becomes before the federation law mm -hmm. so do we have to go all the way back into into that component that which has have come before and then these layers on top are, mm. are what are they just like um not pure in essence i guess what i'm trying mm -hmm. to say is do they hold any gravity or weight um over the top of natural law or tribal law or law of the land yeah <clears throat> sure so if we so to come to bring it back to their freedom mm -hmm. and you being a free woman like being born to this earth mm -hmm. uh do you believe you have the right to be free yeah and, and it's interesting enough i know that my intrinsic core driving value is you know is freedom and it's you know in the essence of the perception that i am not free so everything that i work towards is freedom and mm -hmm. Uh, Any time that I feel like I'm constrained, I feel like I'm suffocating and I'm drowning in some other form of energy, right? So my mm -hmm. soul is in the consistent seeking process to actually become liberated into a state of freedom. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess like a question I want to ask as a frame mm -hmm. um, to, to progress from is what if you could be in a vibration of freedom and sovereignty now. And that sovereignty is to, if you can, if you can just like, uh, let's say in a, in a brief meditative process, switch yourself into a state of what I would say is queendom for a woman. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so the sovereignty piece, just to finish that answering that question you asked earlier, there's freedom and in, in interacting with society, how are you meeting people um and if you're meeting people in your experience of your queendom um where you are empowered and you have all the rights uh, bestowed upon you of, of your queendom um that is what i would say sovereignty is and so if you can, if you can step into that vibration and start to behave in that way and interact in that way, uh, you have set yourself free. There's some information that can be useful in maintaining that state. Um, and I'm sure we'll, we'll cover some of those things. Um, you, your later question in regards to the different layers of law, etc. 
Um, I would say that natural law um, is a part, is a piece of that. So what you were talking about, like with um, you, your your freedom and your sovereignty and your queendom as a woman of this earth, mm-hmm. um, I'd akin that to natural law, mm-hmm. um, provided you had your awareness of of divinity and your relationship to it. Um, and then the, as we go into other layers, well, what's the interface there? Uh, and so then we do start to get into social uh, constructs. Uh, and these can also be called uh, laws when they become you know, clearly defined. Um, and so there is tribal law, of course. Tribal law, I don't know a great deal about. I've had conversations with elders. Um, and it is, it is the, the pieces that I do know are fairly akin to uh, natural law. Okay. Um, and, and if, yeah. Sorry. If, um, if we just sidebar, like I'd like to come back and actually have a conversation around natural law and mm-hmm. what potentially that is. Cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you'd like my perspective on natural law? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um, I would say natural law is encompasses a couple of things. Um, and I would say that it encompasses your self and your inner workings um, in regards to your physiology um, and your sense of connection to divinity it also encompasses the natural world around you as you are a part of it like nature and our intrinsic our intrinsic driving force of of what we are as a natural being nature yeah in that yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and that that's um and then you know i i appreciate quite deeply the the perspective that everything is spirit and you are also an animal. I am also an animal. Mm-hmm. We, we are, which is all spirit. And uh, our animal nature is also a piece of this, um, this puzzle in regards to natural law, I believe. Mm. Uh, yeah, I totally agree with that. So the energy the energy that is actually permeating through us as a spirit and an animal at the same time. And I I use the words, um, high mind, lower mind, or, uh, the, like the animal soul and the, and the angelic soul within us, which is not separated in, uh, at all, Mm. but yet sometimes we want to separate those in form. So what it just pondering, would it be, we go full circle back to you know the governance that's actually mm-hmm. occurring would that be fair to say is that there is a particular governance over like the the animal component within us as a as a human mammalian spiritual being but um those that are unconscious to that will actually be swayed by the by the governance the outer governance and directed you know we could say directed like sheep um down a race into certain directions that don't have a 
um, entanglement or even a connection with the spiritual astral soul, divine soul essence of of the, us as a human. Mm -hmm. And mm. and so when that happens, then the energy or the life spark of the human. Uh, would be diminished in some form and so that's where uh, the governance actually does occur in an in a way that's you know swaying somebody's perceptions or belief systems into becoming or doing something that is potentially not the sovereign part of who they really truly are and they lose that they lose that remembrance and that connection mm -hmm to them to that and that that which is the true self yeah yeah so in in answering that there was uh something that came to mind in regards to uh where attention goes energy flows mm. and um within the animal and the angelic mm -hmm. uh, aspects of of self mm-hmm this the the governance structure that you've spoken about um and how we how we operate as a human being in terms of my perspective is where we are this this uh let's say this essence which can be witnessed uh at those different realms you know higher realms uh, energetically angelic, etc., coming back down into um, also the animal and and material realms, and depending on where we observe ourselves, we will see something and experience something a little differently. However, it is all still this self, mm -hmm. um, and what I see the you know in relation to the context you've just outlined. The, the government structure starts to shift people's perspective of themselves mm -hmm. further down into uh, the, the continuum, like we're look, you know, looking at a continuum of animalistic uh, material and angel energetic angelic, um, further down that continuum into the animal realm where they experience themselves as sheep and they behave like sheep. Um, they still have all this potential and, and, and they still are, of course, a, a human being. Mm -hmm. um, and I, it, it definitely does seem like uh, many people are going down that race, uh, following this structure of government and, and experiencing themselves as, uh, as animals in, in many ways. Mm. It's interesting. It's interesting to observe that particular behavior and, um, you know, I listened to a podcast the other day that was based on Aristotle in the philosophical aspects of like prima spirita and prima materia and the two components that are uh, within us as a human human being. Um, so when they become separated, we lose the essence of the true, the true self and therefore we, we become out of directed like quite easily, just like mm -hmm we would uh, train a dog or we would uh, train a horse or, you know, direct livestock into. So we, we then um, give our power, our, our maximum potentiality up to an outside force or an outside source. So we become disempowered 
which is a lower energy force, which is um, a coercive way of, of living. And we forget that we have the ability to tap back into that maximum potential of, of you know, the highest form of energy, the highest form of vibration and frequency to be able to uh, make our own decision-making processes relative to our sovereign divine essence, which I like to use the term our teleology or our mission and vision, who we are, and really coming into that aspect of, no, this is who I am as a sovereign being. And so I'm going to stay, I choose to stay in my lane and um, any, any outside forces that want to try and shift me off that are going to you know, have a little trouble doing that because I'm going to hold fast or hold position to what's most important to me and my soul's uh, divine calling. Yeah. And I guess what we're seeing and experiencing in greater society is the, the diminishment of, of that sovereign soul energy essence. Are you, are you seeing and experiencing that uh, within the realms that you're, although there's to say they're not the realms, the circles of, of people that you're associating with and, and this mm. is what's called you into the calling of being able to and being wanting to share the divine essence of sovereignty um, in attachment to what we would call, um, you know, law or the, the aspects of law, natural law, um, sovereign law, common law, etc. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So, in regards to circles, I've been generally fortunate enough to uh, be surrounded by people that are focused on solutions. Mm. Um, and I do see it in the periphery where there are people that are very concerned and um, haven't haven't yet taken that responsibility of the ability to respond. And, uh, and I think the acknowledgement of that, that we, we have an ability to respond and to maintain our, our sovereignty, you know, mm -hmm. for you to maintain your, your queendom. And, and what, so there is that structure out there, that information, um, which leads people down that sheep race, you know, um, to into the experiences of, of being an animal and being herded. Uh, and there's information which can also uh, assist you in maintaining your sovereignty and maintaining your queendom. Um, and would you be open to sharing some of that information that um, is available for others out there that may want to actually uh, maintain their queendom and their kingdom? Sure. Um, and the, the first step is, is energetic. It's to acknowledge that you're a person or a human of this earth and you have that right. Um, and the next piece then is, um, being in Australia, uh, we can look at Australian law, um, and what underpins, uh, the government. So, and they're actually two different things. Um, Interesting. The, yeah. So, um, so the Australian law that holds 
true when you look at it through a microscope is the, the highest law in the land, according to white people. Um, and that's our uh, 1901 uh, Commonwealth of Australia uh, Constitution Act. So it was, it was enacted in 1901 um, and that encompassed all uh, states at that point. Western Australia came in January 1 as it was enacted. Um, that constitution is the highest law in the land. Um, we, we also have uh, something that the, which underpins the Australian government. And what's and, that? <laughs> well, the, I guess, first of all, it's, I, I just want to highlight a change okay. here. So uh -huh. we had the Commonwealth of Australia. Uh -huh. So we had the government of the Commonwealth of Australia um essentially enacted in 1901 and what we have today is the australian government uh which is a different entity mm -hmm. so um through a series of steps uh, which started in 1960 um the the government started to transition into a into a corporation um and there was a uh, a little while ago, there was a time where Australia needed to borrow more dollars uh, from somewhere. Could have been pounds. It ended up being dollars from the US. So um, just, can I just interrupt you here, just, just for yeah. clarity's sakes, is to understand that the Australian government is a corporation, which in essence is a business, which must maintain a balance sheet and have, um, you know, a can't be trading insolvent right so it needs to borrow yes. money to be able to yeah. to continue its trading within a global economy correct yeah yeah okay, great okay i just wanted to put that in there yeah so it is yeah. a yeah. and yeah and to to i mean to firstly answer the question around like the law elements so there were you know a bunch of changes that happened um the constitution was amended that uh, amended that the piece there was the royal styles and titles act um which allowed many things to be changed um illegally actually um within with and, and a new constitution was created by gough whitlam um and that's where we shifted from the Commonwealth. Well, we didn't shift, but but the people running the nation, let's say, shifted from the the, the government of the Commonwealth of Australia um, to uh, the Australian government um, incorporated. Um, and so, currently, like our federal, state, and local governments are corporations. Um, that don't have uh, a legal standing here in Australia because the paperwork which underpins them um, is, is fraudulent. Interesting, interesting. So how does it keep in operation then? Why is this not being actually, you know, brought into public scrutiny or the people's scrutiny or the, the people? because they don't probably know about this so yeah mm, interesting 
Yeah, and it's it's just awareness. Um, so I I first came across this. How did I come across this? Oh, I was um, I was interested in creating like a, well, I was creating a community resilience group, um, and in networking different pieces and looking for aspects that I felt were needed, I eventually reached out to somebody to have a conversation with them, who happened to be. Uh, someone that's driving uh, commonlaw.earth. Mm-hmm. And that's a great resource uh, for educating ourselves. It's, it's obviously very applicable here in Australia. It's also useful in the UK. They do have their own resources there, however, but also in the US, uh, similar. But this, this one specifically speaks to, um, to Australia. Interesting. And Interesting. Yeah, and it's just, it's just a, a couple of things in regards to, um, yeah, what what changed. I'm still mm. working on uh, recalling it well, all. I think I guess like it's obviously changed, and um, so those that protect, that were in power back in the Gough Whitlam era have continued that on in a fraudulent way. If I'm if, if that's correct, um, um, mm-hmm. then so it again is like swaying a belief system of or a perception of those that stand under that power or under that perception of that power that that is the truth, right? And it's only, um, just to say, that once you become aware, you start to ask questions like, why is this still happening? And um, how do they get away with it? And then why also too do the the people still continue to believe that? Yeah. Well, I think the belief the belief comes from the lack of awareness. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a trust, it's a faith. You know, we mm-hmm. as good people, we can sometimes make the inaccurate discernment that everybody uh, has everybody's best intentions at heart um that's not always the case that is not always the case no yeah and i think that faith in in people has been maybe overextended Mm -hmm. and um and that and a lack of discernment has been there but also it's you know it's been hidden and i think a big piece is um for whatever reason um you know even when, when i was young um i found politics to be incredibly boring mm-hmm um, and there was a lot of hot air and a lot of talk and um, not necessarily anything that seemed completely relevant to me. Mm-hmm. And I believe uh, people uh, who were like me were probably many. Um, and it's that disinterest in, in some ways which has allowed it to continue. Um, and at different times there have been signs going, hey, there's something that's not quite right here. Um, and some people had noticed and other people didn't. And now we are really starting to see the ramifications of uh, letting it continue down that path. Mm-hmm. Um, so in but- essence, like if it's not a value to a, a person to have an interest towards it, their energy is not going to be directed there. So it doesn't even come in. And it's just like, oh, well, that's just what happens out there. I'm just going to stay focused on on and i'll just live within whatever the the government is actually giving me directives or um 
you know, constraints or the perception mm. of constraint, but, you know, rules to live by. Yeah. Um, it's interesting that you say that because I, to myself, uh, I remember my grandparents consistently talking about politics and this government and that government and this happening and that happening. And um, I, I, too, was bored and didn't have any interest and it was, I just didn't want to go there and talk to them. My parents, the same thing. It was labor, labor this, liberal that. And it was like, yeah, I'll just continue my love of horses. Thank you very much. You know, the animal component. Mm -hmm. uh, but now coming into the relevance of looking to have sovereignty over my life, there is a, a requirement to have knowledge and wisdom. Oh, I call it gnosis relevant to mm -hmm the actual governmental processes of the land that we actually choose to live live in. So yeah. it would be and wise for those that are listening to this podcast to start to consider to dive deeper into gaining gnosis uh, into these particular things that we're talking about to bring themselves back to a greater level of sovereignty. Yeah. Um, and I've, I've got four points that I, that I could share that to offer a little bit great. of That would be fantastic. In, in regards to how we got to where we are. Yeah. Because previously, like our, our 1901 constitution and, and democracy, like what is democracy really? Um, and that's, that's a, let's say, a, a government of the people mm -hmm. um, for the people. And... That's not that's not what we have right now. You spoke even like many years ago when you were younger about mm -hmm. liberal and labor, mm -hmm. and and they're, they're two political parties with that had their own sort of interests and views and agendas, which was not uh, a government by the people mm -hmm. for the people. Um, so even back then we were this government was unconstitutional, and so it was. In 1960, um, the parliament was taking control of, or the parliament took control of the governor general by like the political party at the time. And they did this by putting a fake great seal of Australia at the, at the right on the Queen's governor general appointment letter. Uh, and, and so what that's kind of doing, so as they're appointing a governor general, it's not... Um, let's say under the Queen, mm -hmm. it's it's under a fake seal of Australia, okay. uh, and so, so that that then is where the Governor General was sort of employed by and paid from uh, the Australian government political parties, like not not actually the people or the Queen or the crown, let's say. And the crown is a spiritual representation of mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. our commonwealth, essentially. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and commonwealth meaning, uh, I believe it was wheel. So wheel, W-E-A-L, uh, in Old English, also referred to um, health uh, of the people. And, and common, um, common meant... Uh, actually referred to uh, the land. Mm -hmm. And so it was people of the land in good health mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is what the Commonwealth was about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Cool. Um, so in 1966, the political party that controlled uh, parliament and borrowed millions of US dollars uh, from international bankers. And as part of this deal, the politicians committed the people of the Commonwealth of Australia to firstly change our currency from pounds, shillings and pence, um, which was unconstitutional to do so. Um, and to use US backed uh, dollars with no head of power. Uh, the other piece that they did as a part of this deal was to conscript um, our servicemen and other men um, to go to war in Vietnam. Um, so that was a part of that deal to borrow millions of dollars from, from the US. Then in 1973, so we changed our we, we lost essentially sovereignty over our economy um, mm. at that point. In 1973, Gough Whitlam took control of the government as, as prime minister before voting uh, was complete um, and proceeded to take the Queen out of our constitution. And that's where he amended the Royal Styles and Titles Act um, from the 1953 version uh, to what is now the Royal Style and Titles Act 1973. And so he made two copies of the constitution and took out the preamble. And within that, the opening words of that preamble is where as the people. And so that places the people as the supreme power of the Commonwealth. Um, so by removing that, uh, he's, he's removed essentially the concept um, and framing that the people have the power over the government. Hmm. Uh, and he, he registered his constitutions to a private corporation registered uh, in the US. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, he created the Queen of Australia. So we have, there's a Queen of Australia out there. Where somehow. is she? Where is she and, sitting? <laughs> yeah, and that's, that's a name. Um, uh, or like that's kind of a corporate, it's, it's a name that's a corporate uh, registration. So it's just a registered corporate name. And where kind is it like, registered? Kind of like a trading name or something yeah. like that. <laughs> Which Securities yeah. Commission is that registered on? <laughs> uh, I think it, like it's, it must be the US one. Mm. Uh, yeah. I'm not entirely sure. It's probably just under SEC. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and the, I mean, the ATO and all those things are, are there also, I believe. Um, and so this Queen of Australia that, you know, is, is supposed to be the one that, that steers government and holds government accountable, mm -hmm. um, which was the role of the Governor General. So if the government, the, whoever was head of state, let's say, uh, and that's, that's not even, I mean, realistically, it's not actually a head of state. It's just a public officer. So these people were never supposed to have power. They were, they were and in, back in the 1901 constitution and common law, these people are simply office holders. Uh, they're public servants. They're pen pushers, paper pushers. Um, and they're doing a great service to their country humans, men and women. Um, if that's all that they're doing. And when, when they start to 
let's say, claim more power than they're actually supposed to have. That's where the governor general would have stepped in and uh, removed them or sorted the situation out. But that governor general has been for many years, 50 years or so, um, has been paid by and employed by the, the government. So uh, we don't have a check um, to, to mitigate that. Interesting. So they yeah. don't have anything to hold them accountable. They just have free reign to, to do whatever the fuck they want, really. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, the Queen of Australia is, she's not a living woman, um, owns no she's, land. She's, and has power. she's not like me. She doesn't have a crowd of dark hair and sits on a, <laughs> on a you know, like a, a chair like we would imagine in a fantasy <laughs> world. <laughs> yeah. No, and so, so, that... she's a, so she's a fictionary uh uh what a frictionary state of uh perception yeah yeah and um you know by that point uh we we had kind of like a west westminster structure of governance um which comp which turned to something you know that was very sort of communist style and and what we're experiencing now is is a greater expression of that Mm -hmm. um, and so through the courts also, um, we can't really get justice, um, tied to that constitution, the constitution uh, of Australia, mm -hmm. because that is all uh, fictional and it's all based on fraud. Um, the constitution is all fictional and based on fraud the constitution of australia yes, yes. but but the constitution not the, of the commonwealth constitution commonwealth of australia but yeah. the commonwealth constitution of australia is one that is the highest uh law, law. that White is the, plan. Yeah. okay great and then we so have there's two, the, there's two two parts uh -huh. yeah so there's a constitution of the commonwealth of australia mhm mm 1901 that's the highest law in the land. Yes. And then we have the Constitution of Australia, which is all fiction uh, and has no legal standing. Right. So it's like this sleight of hand. Mm -hmm. um, let's just actually hide the, the, the true essence of the wisdom or the knowledge, what is true, and by sleight of hand create something that is fictional that we can uh, potentially get the masses to believe that that's real right this is beautiful because <laughs> you know me and i let my love of um hermetic principles and mm -hmm. hermeticism and the the maxim saying like the lips of wisdom are sealed except to the ears of understanding and in that maxim it was actually utilized in those that actually knew the the truth was not to reveal the truth until there was certain layers of understanding to be able to a cope with it b truly understand it and c be able to be of service to humanity like in that form mm -hmm. and i also believe that on the other side of that pendulum is that those that knew that the lips of will lips of wisdom are sealed except to the ears of understanding flipped it the other way like oh these people are a bit dense, right? They're never going to understand this. So we'll just keep hiding the, the truth 
and we'll get them to believe uh, what what the, the truth is by creating polarities in uh, in in perception and you can I can even see it now like we have the Commonwealth Constitution and the Australian Constitution you know so they're the polarities of each other mm. but the but the true essence I'm guessing in the 1901 Commonwealth common con, Commonwealth Constitution uh-huh. is be almost like um, the truth yeah and, and there, there are sorry that, that's the hidden component mm. Mm. yeah and there are pieces within so so where do we go from here so we have this gnosis Mm. that Mm. Mm -hmm. uh, all of that is fraudulent political Mm -hmm. parties federal state and local governments have no legal standing so with that gnosis Mm -hmm. what do we do where where do we go what do we do i think this is a beautiful question um and what do we do and how do we actually, you know, bring that into realization for the many to to sit in the comprehension of like, what am I going to do about this, mm-hmm. or am I going to consistently be played in that in that system? And um, I was listening to a podcast by Paul Check the other day, and he had a beautiful thing saying, unless we actually and stand together and empower each other with this gnosis and but have each other's backs in uh standing up against this it's not going to change right because over the years the 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 mentor side and the psychological aspects and the behavioral characteristics of um the humans in australia the human animals is really quite at the forefront so there's a lot of fear there there's a lot of fear relative to the perception of the loss of what they might lose if they were to actually stand in empowerment or stand firm or stand together with the many. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I've had these many, many conversations with um, not only clients, very close friends, um, and they keep coming back to me and saying, you know, I've got to, I've got to protect what I, what I have because I have a family. Um, I'm frightened of losing my business. I'm frightened of, uh, you know, losing my family if I if I stand up against those particular things. So that's infiltrating that perception of mind too, as well, uh, and not entrusting in our fellow humans because our trust has been diminished over time. Not mm. to believe or actually trust, and to be in a state of fear, you know. So it it's a it's a beautiful way of actually redirecting energy of the human animal to have control over it, right? But when we have that realization that if we come back to the sovereignty of ourselves and each being has that ability and responsibility to, to tap back into that which is themselves, but then also see fellow man as themselves too, you know, there's this beautiful saying, the seer, the seen and the seeing are all the same and entrust that, um, if we took on this responsibility of coming back to a place of sovereignty, that we would have the freedom that we are really truly desiring. Yeah. That was a yeah. mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and at this point in time, 
Um, and you may have seen some talks by R- Ricardo Bossi recently mm, and where mm-hmm. he's, he's um, uh, it's been great to see him talk about and, and encourage people to behave as if they were free now mm-hmm. um, by not wearing masks and not doing any of the, the QR checking thing and um, ignoring passport stuff and, and also the vaccine. Mm-hmm. Um, and currently we, we, we physically still have the ability to behave freely. And now is a great opportunity to do that. Um, and the, I totally get the, the, the fears that you've, you know, I've also wit- witnessed them, like yeah. where people are in fear and they feel like they're, by making particular choices, parts of their life are at risk. Mm-hmm. Um, and a, a great pathway forward um, has sort of already been laid out in, in many regards. Um, Would you like to share that? What's that pathway? I'm interested. Yeah, yeah. It, and, it, and it sort of, it, it started, it probably, it started, uh, I reckon it must have started around um, the early 13th century, mm-hmm. you know, just, just before the Magna Carta were introduced. And that, that, um, Back then, I don't recall the king at the time. It might have been King John or something. Um, he was uh, quite belligerent. He wasn't very nice. Uh, there were people that had rights and claims to land, the barons, let's say. Um, and he just wasn't treating anybody very well. Uh, these, these groups of uh, statesmen banded together and um, rocked up at... at uh, I'll call him King, well, King John, I think it was, mm-hmm. um, essentially. And he was forced to create a treaty and a means of um, peacekeeping and equanimity throughout the lands. Um, and that's, it was that uh, moment of conflict um, that... Uh, moment of confrontation, be a better word, um, that seeded the, the writing of the Magna Carta in 1215. Mm-hmm. And that, that is an instrument, like it's a document, which is or was a way for humans to interact as a queen or a king in their own realm. Um, you might not be the, let's say, the, the queen of, um, I was going to say the queen of Australia. You, <laughs> I want to be her. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you want to be a legal fiction. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, but you, you get what I mean. So this, mm-hmm. it's a process of sovereignty and freedom uh, and, and representing self and, and interacting with others representing themselves mm-hmm. and groups you know, representing self, coming together and having conversations at interregional uh, levels. Yeah. Um, and so that's where this solution started. Mm-hmm. And we come forward um, a little more than a thousand years 
and here we are today. So we have our 1901 constitution, which is based on the Magna Carta. Mm -hmm. There is common law, which is something which has been around for just as long um, and essentially came out of that Magna Carta in terms of uh, court systems, etc. And it's been a revision through the millennia. Um, and there's, there's several schools of thought in regards to common law. Um, the one that I would direct people to is commonlaw.earth. There's the two principles there. Firstly, do no harm. Mm -hmm. And second, take responsibility for yourself mm -hmm. and your mm -hmm. actions. Mm -hmm. um, and the pathway forward here in Australia and in many other parts of the world would be to start forming common law assemblies. Uh, it, it is these assemblies which essentially form local government. They are a local government um, and they're a local government underpinned by the power of the people and the highest law of this land, the constitution of the Commonwealth of Australia. Um, it's, it's actually very simple law over the years and, and in fact, through that period from like 1960 or even earlier, um, law became complicated and uh, there were professional agendas for the complication of that along with trying to solve solutions but you know there's 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 a public problem and a public solution there's a professional problem and a professional solution which can get solved together and they did mm -hmm. and they were written into complicated statute laws etc uh, that required lawyers to understand them um, however, all of that is actually not necessary. Most of it is not even really legal here in Australia, given what has happened. Um, and to follow common law is incredibly simple. As a human being, you're relying on your conscience. Mm, I love that. And within a jury of 12, uh, each jury member is relying on their conscience to produce an answer. Yes, no. Is somebody guilty of something or not? And in that instance, uh, we have, you know, laws currently um, and somebody, somebody might break a law uh, and we would hear the case, the jury of 12, if you were in a jury of 12, you would be a part of hearing that case having your questions answered so that you're clear on things to a point where you're ready to make a decision and you feel into your heart and question, well, uh, did this person intend to do harm? Did this person uh, plan to break the law? Um, would I have done the same thing mm -hmm. in that context? Uh, and there might be some other questions that you ask yourself in relation to that. And there might be, so there's 12 people in that jury, 11 might say that this person is guilty. And if you or one of the others felt into the situation that that person was in and, and what happened and what unfolded mm -hmm. and within yourself, your conscience said they're not guilty. Yes, they broke the law, but they're not really guilty. 
what would happen there is that person would be let off because common law favors um, keeping a good man free or a good woman free mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and not punishing a good woman or man. Mm -hmm. They value that common law values that over letting a guilty person uh, free of punishment, you know, and in mm -hmm. this, in this mm -hmm. new day and age, I think there's many things we could learn from Scandinavia in regards to instead of punishment, rehabilitation. Mm -hmm. um, so that that's kind of what would happen there. If only one person in the jury decided that they weren't guilty, that person would be deemed not guilty. Uh, now we look at that law because they broke a law. Is that law still common to mm. every situation? Mm -hmm. Does it apply in every situation? Because in this one, it didn't seem to. And so uh, I believe within that jury, the essentially if somebody votes no, then that law is addressed. Do we need to repeal it? Because it's not common. Um, what would happen there? So one person, anybody within the community that sits on that jury and makes that decision has the ability to remove a law. Um, Interesting. So, so that, that it's, it's a restoration of power to the people, to any mm -hmm. lay person. Mm -hmm. um, and then within the assembly, you're, you're, you know, you're making decisions on what's going to happen in your local area. Uh, you might elect some people to organize that. You might elect somebody to represent you in conversations uh, at the inter-regional level to decide what's going to happen inter-regionally. Um, and if they're not voicing the opinions of the people within that group, and they're not speaking on behalf of those people and they're speaking with their own agenda. Um, on any given day of the week, that person can be removed and reinstated with somebody else. So there must be consideration for self and other to actually, before you actually speak and, and make a decision on something, it can't just be uh, my way or the highway. This is what you're going to do, right? Yeah, so as, as a representative, yeah, mm -hmm. you would be representing. So, okay. So yeah. the autocratic approach is diminished and then so the democratic approach is actually risen to the forefront in that for the common good of all. Yeah. Um, and so there is uh, there are a couple of websites. I believe one is advance-australia mm -hmm. and the other one is CIR now. Um, Charlie Indigo Romeo. Mm -hmm. um, and the CIR now is citizens initiated referendums. So within our 1901 constitution, there's one piece there that is lacking and it is that citizens cannot initiate a referendum. And what's a referendum for? It is used to, well, uh, according to our 1901 constitution, it is the only thing that can, um, uh, essentially create laws so why or, amend, or amend, amend our constitution. Is there something that is in there that a, a citizen cannot do this? Um, why, is, why is that so? And yeah. maybe is it in the word citizen 
as a person. Yeah, citizen's an interesting word, isn't it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Is there um, a difference in understanding and meaning to the word person and citizen relative to the law, to the Commonwealth Constitution? It, it more so refers to... Um, it's, it's like government entities mm -hmm. uh, can initiate a referendum. Um, and so that, that's something that in Sweden, for example, um, they, you, you, I think they have four referendums every year. Um, and within that go a pool of things. So the entire country you know, has a referendum um, every quarter, four times a year. And if there's important things that need to be passed uh, to be enacted as law or um, if some type of constitutional change has to happen, there's four times a year that that can be done. Um, and they've been doing that for at least 100 years or so. Um, and, yeah, so currently within our 1901 constitution, from what I understand, uh, it, whether it's government officials or, or political parties, can initiate a referendum. Um, and I won't say political party, but it's gonna be like, let it say, it's, whether it's a Senate, like upper lower house um, or local governments, as opposed to a person. Mm -hmm. So a person, uh, the, the, the process for that would probably be something similar to our, um, the word has escaped me, where we need 100,000 petitions. You know, mm -hmm. you might need, and I would say it's probably something like what would make sense is you need at least 1% of the population to sign a petition to say you want this in a referendum, for example. Um, and if you get 100,000 signatures, um, it could go to, you know, to be in a referendum. Um, that would then be a citizens initiated referendum there. Um, so that's, that's, that's the one. Thing. Yeah. That's the interesting part is that when we, when we get these petitions that go around in, in looking to actually change something or to yeah. overturn something or to, you know, have an evolution happen is the disassociation between people and um, their belief systems and also their energy component to even you know i get them consistently on messages and in different groups that i'm on and um you know like i will do them because i know the value of that standing together with uh my fellow men and women but those who don't that they just don't they're just like oh that's that's bullshit i'm not gonna i just don't have the energy to do that i don't have time to do that i'm just going to continue on my merry little path of, of life, you know. And so sometimes it can be quite difficult in a country that has a population of over 7 million people to get 100,000 people to actually stand together and sign those particular things, right? Mm -hmm. And that, again, too, holds true over the governance of the perceptions of the belief systems that have been um, conditioned through us throughout time, yeah? Um, and I find that side of things fascinating. That's probably a whole other podcast, to be honest. But, um, but if, just going back is looking at, in my understanding, there is, 
the, uh, from the, the Constitution, the, the, the Commonwealth Constitution, as a sovereign being uh, or a sovereign man or woman, those are the words that are actually used, like sovereign man or woman, and then somehow it shifted, shifts to person and then citizen, which has a different meaning and a different legal standing or governance standing too. So again, this comes into, uh, you know, getting gnosis and looking at the layers upon layers upon layers to the, let's just say, the inception point of like, what are we really? Where do we begin and where do we find our sovereignty? Yeah. Yeah. And with the, the words and things you like, you're, you know, person and, and citizen um, and citizenship, mm. they are... They're, they're things that come from, um, you know, ad admiralty law. And mm -hmm. when we start to, that, that takes us into the conversation that also takes us outside of Australia into mm. what's, what's happening in the world at large um, and, and what has infiltrated. It leads to question what has infiltrated uh, the Commonwealth of Australia. Mm. Um, and to i i sort of want to if i may steer it back to um mm -hmm. in regards to pathways um mm -hmm. good so yes, we have good. yeah we, we have um common law assemblies which is something to be just educated about in regards to on that common law.earth site there's um an educate section, a facilitate section, and an activate section. And each one of those has its function, of course. Um, first, to get that gnosis. I've shared a little bit on that. Um, and then facilitate, or how do, we, how do we run a local assembly? And there has been one, actually. I mean, there's a few here on the coast. There's one in Marucheville. There's one in Noosa. There's 25 around. Actually, there's more now. There's probably closer to 30 around the country. Mm. Um, Excellent. <laughs> and, and as I, as I dove into common law and, you know, I was recognizing that, um, it's white person's law and we, we could take ourselves into this and go, okay, yeah, common law. And, and now we've got a government by the people for the people. And, and it's all white people's law. And what happened before 1901? Um, and way back as far as, uh, was it 1776? I don't exactly remember when we started to federate states. Um, 1786? I don't recall. I'm not sure. Yeah. So at some point, um, was it banks? Um, in any case, uh, New South Wales was, you know, on Botany Bay was made claim to, and it was made claim through white man's legal process. Mm. However, uh, those gentlemen were standing on someone else's land where law already existed and had existed for, for a long time. And it, on that land, to establish yourself as a nation, because there were already 369 nations there, um, on this particular land there was one, but, but to establish yourself as a, as a nation required process and it also required communication. 
those two didn't happen. So the states were not ceded legally. And the, uh, even the enactment of the 1901 constitution was not done through legal process according to the law of this land uh, here in Australia or the continent that we now call Australia. Uh, so in light of that, you know, it, it sort of led me to question, well, what, what are First Nations people doing? How are they interacting with government now? And what, what would they like to see? Um, so I started to ask a few different elders. And uh, I, unfortunately, you know, through the previous and ongoing genocide uh, of those uh, nations, uh, those First Nations people that live, live amongst us, um, great parts of their law have been forgotten. They're resurfacing through, you know, through uh, these, these, these First Nations humans mm -hmm. uh, in their intelligence mm -hmm. and their own means of connection to source and, and the common knowledge that is out there in the ether. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's coming back through slowly. Over all, informa all information stored on wave particles of light. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> we, it's going to get tapped back into in some form. Yeah. And I believe, I also believe if they, uh, you know, currently they're living life similar to most of us. We have our everyday distractions and, um, and potentially if they got together and really focused on it, they could probably call it in a little faster than it, than mm -hmm. it has been coming to them. Um, that might not be the case, but it might be possible. In any case, uh, in talking to these First Nations elders, some of them, um, they do really see common law as a, as a uh, bridge um, or a transition tool that can be used. And yes, they do have jurisdiction and some of them are behaving that way which is awesome. Mm -hmm. They're already in their mm -hmm. sovereignty going, mm. they stopped asking people for permission because they never needed to. That's interesting. And that's part of that, like being in the sovereignty is, is uh, stop asking for permission, just be on mission. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 And so yeah. it's beautiful to see these brothers doing that. That's uh, in some, in some instances, they have uh, needed to or chosen to interact with government, a local, mm -hmm. state or federal. Mm -hmm. um, and fortunately, they've been uh, knowledgeable enough, so it doesn't take require a lot actually, um, to, to win in these conversations with council or state government. Um, and... Uh, one piece of legislation which is very useful is the Human, Human Rights Act. Yes. Um, and within that Human Rights Act, I think it's 1999, um, you know, for them uh, as First Nations people, that act prevents government from um, stopping First Nations people being First Nations people and doing what First Nations people do, uh, which is quite useful for, for them. Um, we, whilst I'm a first generation person here, mm -hmm. 
I don't know that I would be classed a First Nations uh, human uh, of this land by the general populace. So I'm in a different position as uh, you, I presume, Kelly, in regards to that we, we don't have uh, a family tie to First Nations people. And so what can we do? Mm. Um, because we've been born to this land, or I have. Uh, you were born Me in too. WA? Yeah, 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 I was born in West Australia, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so do we, do we fall under white person's law or, or black fellas? Um, and we could do both. Um, so no matter what conversation we have with a fraudulent government, Mm-hmm. we would have jurisdiction. So uh, what has been going on is um, the forming of alliances with First Nations people. And that's, that's an organic process. There's no need to force it because even with common law, we have a jurisdiction under white people's law, which is what is supposed to underpin our government. And so through their own paperwork, we can communicate to them very clearly um, that they have no power. And that is happening. There there is a case before the Queensland Supreme Court um, in regards to that, an affidavit submitted, uh, which is about to be further um, bulked out or embellished Mm -hmm. in regards Mm to... um, just supporting that case. So when that case is reviewed, it's an ex parte hearing. Uh, it's just the judge essentially and the documentation to make a decision whether it is necessary to call the attorney generals of each state to the Supreme Court to respond to the affidavit. So an affidavit is a true is a statement of truth in the court. Yes. Yeah. Um, and. It outlines some of those uh, points that I mentioned earlier mm-hmm. in regards to what happened with the Constitution. Uh, I believe it also speaks to sections of the Human Rights Act as well as the 1946 referendum on social services. In that referendum, uh, that was where the people gave power, gave their, their people's power to the government to offer social services, things like health services. Mm-hmm. Um, the proviso on that referendum, because it was amended uh, before it was approved, uh, was that, uh, the, you know, that something like the government has the ability to offer or to give and create health services, but it cannot conscript us. So they cannot force us. That sentence there means that they cannot force us to receive any medical treatment or health services. Um, so that, that is all before the Supreme Court of Queensland. Um, here in Queensland, we're fortunate to still have old pieces of legislation uh, which were eroded away as, as, as we had this corruption and fraud happen in the other states and, and here. Um, Queensland was not immune to it. Um, but what we do have is, I think it's legislation from 1886 or 1867, my numbers aren't great, um, where the federal court, the high court, if the high court 
is being is is playing up is not uh, being lawful, uh, then the state courts can hold it accountable. And in that instance, a ruling in the state court would be a federal ruling and it would be final. And Queensland is the only uh, has the only Supreme Court that still has that legislation. So uh, that is that's essentially before the courts now. And, and what can happen? So another pathway for us to really make sure that that case is heard um, is we could submit more of them. So more affidavits of a similar nature going into that court would be more public pressure. Um, just like we have council chambers and town hall meetings happening this week, next week. Um, there's been some things going on in Yapoon recently around public pressure on local governments. Um, this, is, this would be public pressure to the Supreme Court of Queensland to look at that case properly. And the cost of submitting an affidavit in that sort of case is $1,250 for a working individual and $250 for a retiree. Um, and in that instance, we don't necessarily have to do any great deal of representation because we're submitting a true statement which would be addressed and reviewed and then finally rebutted by the attorney generals. And so the, the level of cost is very low to us as, as people, as humans. Um, but it is a good way to bring accountability uh, to. Well, to I think that. I think that's beautiful that we we do have an opportunity to actually bring accountability, but also stand firm in our power to mm. actually band together um, as a, as in common unity as the people. And there is there is the organisations that you have mentioned that are forming and are continuing to grow in the essence of the need for it right now. So, wow, thank you for sharing all of that information. Like, and I'm, there's so much more that I want to be able to, to actually go into with this. I've written a bunch of notes, son. So mm -hmm. we're going to be doing another one of these shortly yes. so that this is part one, people. This is part one. And we've been going now for nearly uh, 90 minutes. So wow. part one, we're going to go into part two of um, other aspects that are related to this. And so just as we kind of wrap up, um, people who have been listening to this that want to get in connection with you, son, you know, I've heard you mention the commonlaw.earth website a few times. Mm -hmm. Is that the best way to them for them to actually source information? But how can they connect with you directly if they want to have a deeper conversation and if they have any questions, where would be the best place for them to source you for that? Yeah. So the best place is probably my, my email address, I would say, mm -hmm. okay. uh, which is, which is sun, S-U-N, at eximiosa.com. And so that is E-X-I-M-I-O-S-A.com. Cool. And uh, yeah, I presume any, are you on any socials? Uh, I haven't been on socials much. I've avoided them for the last number <laughs> That's of cool. years That's because cool. of their agenda. But I am on Facebook. I don't check it very often. Okay. And nor 
Instagram. Um, okay, cool. And Telegram. I'm working on other things actually, which we'll get to, I'm sure, on another call. Yeah, exactly. There's so yeah. much. There's so much um, gnosis that I think you and I can actually bring together to be able to help people with their knowledge and understanding to navigate through the pathways that are going to be required for the next evolution of life here in Australia. So yeah. I want to thank you for the opportunity to be able to share this morning with you to, to, to bring this pod to, to the people. And um, so we will definitely be doing part two to this one. So thank you for listening and all Sun's uh, contact details will be in the show notes below where you can actually contact him at his email address. And if there's any questions that you may not be able to get hold of, just uh, uh, contact us at uh, taurusconsulting.com and taurusconsulting.io, which is the website, or kelly at taurusconsulting.io. So thank you every, for everybody for listening. I really appreciate your time today too, Sun. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Kelly. Chat to you You're later. You're welcome. You're welcome.